0: Hey there, welcome to Sales Unbound, brought to you by SaaS Group. I'm your host, Anna Dana, and this is the show where we chat with inspiring founders and experts to get an inside scoop on how they made their business success. And today with me is Rand Fishkin, book author, founder of Moz, co-founder and CEO of SparkToro, an audience research tool that helps you discover people's sources of influence. And if you're even a little bit into content and SEO space, you probably knew that already uh, because a <laughs> rent is difficult to miss and it's super nice to have you here. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Oh, thanks for having me, Anna. Good to be here.
0: Well, it's, I mean, I couldn't get enough excitement uh, from my colleagues and friends who knew that you were coming to the podcast. I mean, uh, I've got some scribbles, some, you know, questions from the audience, so <laughs> Love it. even though we're not live. But, um, yeah, like I said, it's super cool to have you here. And, um, obviously I said, we are going to focus on SparkToro and the way you're building it, the way you're growing it, but it would be just such a mistake. I think to not ask you a few things about SEO, you know, what, what you think about it and, um, the strategies that you're using for, um, growing your personal brand and growing SparkToro as well. So uh, maybe if we can start there first, all right, Uh, with, first of all, why uh, you started building SparkToro? What's so different in it um, from Moz, right? And honestly, sorry, I I started thinking about Moz and I thought, it rings a bell on such a deep level, Uh, why is it? And then I went to like my very old Dropbox account and checked it and turned out Moz was like one of the very first marketing tools that I've used in my career. So <laughs> uh, again, very cool to, to have you here. So why Spark Toro? What makes it so different and so unique and uh, what you're working on right now?
1: Sure. Yeah. So uh, let's see. I mean, lots of big differences between... Moz and SparkToro. So uh, Moz was started without a lot of intentionality. You know, I think many founders can probably relate to being an accidental founder. Like they didn't intend to start a business, but sort of tripped and fell into it. And Moz was certainly that for me. Um, I started actually with my mom, Jillian. Uh, This is a long time ago now. Uh, Back in 2001, we started working together and then the uh, launched a blog that became this consulting business in SEO that was in 2003, and then um, turned that in to, into a software business in 2007. And, and Moz was one of the very first sort of what I'd call self-service SaaS products. So now SaaS is very familiar to many folks and there's self-service and, and enterprise. Uh, Moz was self-service back when software as a service was quite rare. And so, you know, investors were tough to get on around the idea there were very few companies salesforce was one of the few companies that anybody had heard of or knew about that was doing software as a service and of course they were enterprise um so maz eventually raised venture capital um and and quite a large amount over a number of years uh it grew to a lot of people 200 plus people uh multiple offices in different cities completed a bunch of acquisitions of smaller marketing technology and um Uh, talent acquisitions and grew to, gosh, I think about when I left uh, the board of directors, which was 2020, uh, Moz was doing around 50 million in revenue, had a a little over, I think, 30,000 paying subscribers, customers, um, and a team of around 150. They'd they'd done some layoffs. Um, But I... Uh, I left Moz in 2018, um, you know, left the the company and started SparkToro in a very different way, like different in in every kind of way. So my co-founder Casey and I wanted to be very intentional from the start about what we were building and why we were building it and how we were going to build it. And so SparkToro uh, is also marketing technology, right? Also self-service SaaS, but not um not in the seo space we never wanted to raise venture capital um and we we still maintain that we we plan never to raise money again in fact um we built it to be a very tiny team so uh for the first two years it was just casey and myself and then uh we hired amanda natividad um the three of us basically are all that at SparkToro is. We we use lots of contractors and other resources, but we intend to keep the team extremely tiny, probably for um, the very long term. I'd be shocked if we ever get above 10 or 15 people. Uh, So intentionally keeping it really, really small. We we did raise money. I couldn't afford to um, fund the business on my own. And and SparkToro did require a lot of R&D in the first 18 months before we were able to launch our product. So uh, we raised money from private investors, a lot of people in the marketing world and, and tech world uh, who believed in this sort of very unique model. And the idea behind it is that we, we raised 1.3 million and the, um, as we make profits, we pay back our investors, the 1.3, and then they own units of distribution in the LLC. And every year we hope to pay them a dividend. So. This year, we're actually planning on paying back our investors uh, their full investment, and then we get to uh, split the profits for hopefully decades to come. Um, very, very different kind of model, uh, unusual to say the least. But um, right. but we hope interesting to a lot of folks who, for whom the, the venture style, you know, invest in a thousand companies and ten of them do well, uh, doesn't work right for a lot of investors. They can't invest in a thousand companies, so. So right. that's our, our plan.
0: Uh, but you know, you've been, and I think to a lot of people to this day, uh, you are associated with the SEO, right? And- uh, well,
1: Hopefully not, I've been working for <laughs> five years to try and stop that.
0: <laughs> uh, I, mean, I mean, just a little, but, um, but still, it, it's such a tremendous shift, right? What you said, you started 2023, right so it's 17 years right um it's a lot right it's it's a lot to to make that shift uh in in customers mind so what are you doing well basically yeah what are you doing to to make it happen and uh, why did you close the door to seo completely
1: um because i had a non-compete so very very simple, right? When I left Moz, uh, I basically had to sign something that said that I would not um, start a company or engage in any practices or help any other SEO software companies do anything that could help, you know, that was that was intentionally SEO software. And so SparkToro is not at all SEO software. If people email me about SEO, I always reply, "I'm sorry, I'm not allowed to help you." Um, and I try and refer them to, to good consultants and agencies. But yeah, so I, I have a non-compete that- scratching
0: all my questions. Sorry? <laughs> I'm scratching all my questions. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, if you ask me about SEO, you know, I can That's I can funny. give you my uh, opinions, but I, I haven't been in the field for five years and that field moves very fast, right? SEO is a very fast moving field. So I, I expect, I mean, I hope that a lot of the things that I know are no longer the way things work, right? That, Essentially, we we um, are living in a different kind of world now. I don't know. I was at a, a conference recently where a lot of SEO speakers were, and I was surprised at how little had changed. But um, yeah, that uh, that could right. just be me. The okay. um, yeah. So the reality with with SparkToro, in terms of you know trying to move away from that brand, is. I I do a lot of podcasts and interviews. I do a lot of presentations and blog posts and writing, uh, video marketing, right? You'll see a lot of little videos from me on Twitter and LinkedIn and uh, YouTube and Facebook. Um, I do a tremendous number of guest appearances on other people's YouTube channels uh, and essentially try and share this message about, hey, what is audience research and why should anyone be doing, I mean, startups, it's probably the most obvious thing in the world why, why a startup should do audience research. But uh, you know, how can Spartoro help with that? Um, what is the uh, practice around building competence and confidence in your results there? And then how can you use that data to do better marketing? And I think what's tough, um, what's tough Anna, is you're right. There are many people for whom uh, they'll never get over this association right they they they've heard of me once to do with seo and i'm not going to change their mind even if for the next 50 years i talk about you know nothing but audience research or or some or something else but my hope is that some people who are paying attention will sort of go hey actually that sounds really interesting to me and seo is not the only channel i'm interested in or it's not the best channel for us maybe i can find some opportunities to kind of do a little bit of what rand's doing which is essentially marketing through people's sources of influence in a field to reach them and be effective. Um, that's, uh, that's my goal. Yeah.
0: Right. But, uh, I mean, uh, I love what you're doing. First of all, uh, I've seen, like you said, a ton of your appearances, uh, you, you type brand into, <laughs> into YouTube and that's like the only rand that you see. Um, so and that's brilliant because, then other people generate content and then they work on SEO. And then, you know, it inevitably drives traffic back to you. So, um, if not SEO and, uh, one question that I also wanted to ask is, uh, because on a lot of those podcasts, you say that SEO is not for everyone and, uh, not every business should, should do that. So what businesses should still?
1: Um, sure, yeah. So let's see, if lots of your potential customers are unfamiliar with your space and they are, but they uh, have a rough set of a few mm, dozen to 1,000 keywords that they type into Google to learn more about the space. I'll, I'll give you an example. like. Um, if you are trying to find a plumber in your area chance, and you don't already have a relationship with a plumber, well, probably you're going to go to Google and you're going to search for you know, plumbers near me or whatever, plumbers in Cincinnati, Ohio, plumbers in New York, plumbers in Seattle. And if you rank in those results, you're going to get some clicks. You're going to get some phone calls. You're going to get some email inquiries. It's probably a great use of SEO, right? I would I would recommend that to someone. Um Now, let's say that you are starting a new candy bar company. So you're competing with, you know, whatever, Mars bars and Snickers and M&Ms. What are you going to do with SEO? Give me a keyword that you could possibly rank for that's going to help sell your candy bar. There's probably nothing like to be totally honest, right? I can't think of a single keyword where it would help because nobody goes to Google and says, Hey Google, what's a new candy bar on the market that I should buy? forget it like it just it just doesn't happen so probably what you have to do is go find uh, sources of influence in maybe the food and beverage space or uh, partnerships with supermarkets uh, or convenience stores or maybe you can um, do a partnership with a media brand that can help get you in front of people uh, maybe you need to do broad brand advertising. Uh, maybe it's all about placement and you're going to do a lot of events. Maybe you need to do outdoor advertising, right? The, the kinds of things that you might do to sell a new candy bar are just completely different and SEO can't help you at all. And most businesses are somewhere in between these two, right? It's somewhere in between, Hey, everybody just goes to Google and looks for the keyword because they don't know what brands to search for and that, you know, they're not going direct and they don't have a prior association or in the, in the plumber case, or, you know, there's no SEO at all. Nobody searches for anything to do with it in the candy bar example. And you're probably somewhere on the spectrum and, and you should balance your marketing efforts based on that, right? This is true for every single kind of marketing. So for example, if you are reaching, uh, let's say teenagers, right? with With your product and your marketing, email marketing is probably not the best thing you can do. But if you're reaching anyone over the age of 25, Email is probably one of the very best things you can do, and you'd be insane not to invest in it, right? So this uh, PR, for example, PR is fantastic if your audience already uh, pays attention to a set of publications and publishers and, and news sources, and it's pretty terrible if there's no particular publication that reaches your market, right? So PR for a candy bar company. Might work a little bit, probably not the greatest thing you could invest in the most opportunity, but you probably have some opportunity there. And if you're a plumber, pretty mediocre, right? The problem is even if you get a lot of good PR, well, only the people who are both reading the news source at the time and also have a plumbing problem will ever contact you. And that's a very small percent of your audience. What you want is to be in front of people when they're looking for the problem that you solve which is why SEO works so well for a, a local plumber. So these are, these are the challenges and, and any marketing strategy, in my opinion, should be aware of who is our audience, what do they pay attention to, how can we reach them, what are we good at and bad at in terms of you know, whatever, content or email or social or SEO. I've never seen anybody, never seen a marketer who's like, ah, I'm terrible at Instagram. Uh, or or like i'm you know I, I hate instagram i hate doing it i'm uh right. like it annoys the heck out of me i hate going on there i never use it but i'm really good at marketing through it that that never happens right and so i would urge you to to lean on things that that you enjoy doing and get value from and um are good at as well
0: all right so uh well let's let's talk more about Toro where does it find the most value? Where, uh, Where is y- your audience? You know, How do you do research about what will help you and your business?
1: Yeah, yeah. So let's see. Uh, basic story for SparkToro is that our customers tend to be one of two kinds of, well, maybe three. Um, in the startup world, it tends to be a lot of uh, founders and... Um, co-founders and, and executives, uh, especially those folks who are kind of doing their own marketing. So very small team, you know, kind of like me, right? I'm working on a tiny little team. I do a lot of my own marketing. So I I use SparkToro to find the sources of influence that I'm going to reach out to and that will hopefully reach my audience and that kind of thing, right? But which which podcast should I go try and pitch? What YouTube channel should I be on? What sources of influence should I try to reach people through? What are my What's my audience talking about online? And I can go create content around that. Which hashtags are they using? When I post to social, I'm going to use those hashtags. Uh, What words and phrases are in their bios? Okay, I'm going to go try and target those people on LinkedIn specifically and and write things for them. All that kind of stuff, right? Um, With, you know, with SparkToro's audience, we tend to find that the the other two groups uh, that are very big for us are in-house marketers. So someone who's, for example, like uh, buying ads for their company, right? They're doing Reddit advertising, or LinkedIn, or YouTube, or Google ads, meta ads, right? Instagram, Facebook, all that kind of stuff. And they're they're essentially just using SparkToro to find data that those big networks have taken away. Um, so, you know, years ago, before the Cambridge Analytica scandal, you go to Facebook and be like, hey, tell me about my audience, right? And they'd give you all these demographics, and they'd tell you what else, what other pages they paid attention to, and they'd uh, give you lots of data about them. Awesome fantastic. Love that. It's gone. Like totally, totally, totally gone. And Google has done the same thing. YouTube's done the same thing. Like Reddit's done the same. Twitter used to have all this data and Twitter analytics. That's all gone. But Sparktoro kind of gives it back, right? So you can search for, you know, my audience has whatever, attrib- this attribute, or they describe themselves this way, or they follow this social account. Okay. Now tell me about the people uh, and that, that follow that social account or have that word in their bio or whatever. And all the all the data about them, demographic data, behavioral data, great. Now I can go do way better targeting in my advertising, um, or my content or my social media marketing or my PR efforts or my co-marketing or, you know, whatever I'm gonna do, basically anything that's not SEO, <laughs> it'll, <laughs> it'll help you with that. Uh, and, and then, uh, the, the other group, in fact, probably our biggest, most successful group of customers is agencies and consultants. And that's because agencies and consultants essentially use Sparktoro, like on every project to help every one of their customers do all of these things better. Um, and they, they tend to find that the, the data in there is just invaluable. They can apply it to lots of different projects. Um, it helps them win pitches and business and helps them, you know, have better results for their clients. Uh, so agencies and consultants get, get a ton out of it. And I think because they're uh, the most sophisticated marketers generally, right. They have like the, the most experience they've seen a lot across a lot, bunch of campaigns, they tend to get the most value, uh, from marketing software. So that was true at Moz as well. And now it's true at SparkToro. All
0: right. What I was, uh, uh referring to actually like how, um, how do you find audience, right? So, um, for example, like your brand, right. Huge. I mean, talk about personal branding for founders, then you know, <laughs> you're the perfect examples. But, um, how and well, correct me, or I don't know, tell me to edit it out. But, <laughs> how much do you think of um, the overall success of Spark Toro is the fact that you are so vocal and uh, you're known in the space. So people go, well, you know, everyone says build credibility, build trust. And then yeah. it's so much easier for people to buy from you. So, yeah, yeah. what do you think is the percentage of the success? Hmm. It's you.
1: It's <laughs> a tough question, is So, my suspicion is it really, really helped us a lot in the first maybe three or four months, right, after launch. Um, and, and building our like email list before we launched. So we, we launched in April 2020, which is a terrible, terrible time to launch a company because you know obviously the pandemic was just starting and nobody was thinking about new marketing technology. Um, but uh, we did manage to, we, we had a big list of I think almost 20,000 people who had basically signed up to get notified when we launched who had expressed interest in it. Building up that list you know, over the sort of prior two years so Casey had been working on the product, and I'd been doing a lot of like market research and interviewing potential customers and that kind of stuff. And then Casey had been building the product, and we'd been testing it, beta testing it. We finally launched, and that uh, that list was absolutely uh, essential to us kicking off and doing well in our first few months. And I think that that's where you know my whatever personal brand probably helped a lot. Um, but since then, I look, I think that there's no doubt about it, right? My personal brand helps, um, make it easier for us to get whatever opportunities to, uh, go on a podcast or to be on someone's YouTube channel or to get an interview or to, um, be covered in the press or, you know, reach out to for a story, those kinds of things. But the, the product, if the product isn't great, people are just going to, cancel, absolutely. right? That, I mean, no one's even going to sign up. We, we it, The product is completely free, right? So SparkToro is free. Anyone can go there, get 50 searches a month. And unless you see a bunch of value in upgrading from, oh, like this data looks really good. I need more of it. I want more of these features and functionality. No one's going to be like, well, I really like RAND. So I think I'm going to sign up. <laughs> that's, not, that's not how <laughs> uh, software no, works at all.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely no, hundred percent agree with you. That's what I'm asking about. Like the the, the first adopters, it, it's super difficult to 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 reach the audience. You know, for yeah. people, right? Um, building a product is no longer uh, a problem. It's as cheap as it ever will be, and yeah. but the um, the customer acquisition cost, it's just through the roof, right? So I guess that's why everyone's just so obsessed about building their own brand, because it's like, I don't know, uh, buying a makeup course on Instagram from, you know, a girl that, that's that been posting make, makeups for 10 years. That's what, <laughs> right. <laughs> sorry, yeah. that's a horrible example, but. <laughs> no,
1: no, it's a, good, it's a really good one, right? Especially if that person has built up, um, you know, doing it for a long time, has some value, but being trusted and liked by that audience and followed by that audience already is, is a great match. And I think this points to something that folks have been calling for the last few years, founder market fit, which I I, I actually really like that term. I, don't, I usually hate VC terminology, but this one makes a lot of sense to me, right? Where it's, oh, this founder is sort of known and trusted in this space, has a lot of experience there, knows a lot of the players there. I don't know. Gets invited to the conferences and events in that space, um, has a lot of the right connections, all, all those kinds of things, and and then if the market matches the founder's strengths, I think that's a great um, great choice for whatever an investment or, or or putting putting your eggs in those kinds of baskets. You can see why it works so well when you know to your point, um, person who is an influential authority in makeup world or marketing software world or fashion or, uh, AI doesn't, doesn't matter. Right. If that person is a match for that world, folks are going to come and that that's how you build audiences when you don't already have one.
0: Right. So, um, if you were starting right now or a year ago, um, then what would be your channels of personal branding?
1: Yeah, I think, let's see. Assuming that Sparktora was the thing that I wanted to build, um, I suspect what I would do is probably, I would probably go work. uh, Let's assume I have no brand, nothing in the marketing space. No one's ever heard of me. I'd probably go work at an agency for a couple of years and try and build up my both portfolio of work and experience and network. through that agency, I'd probably pick a small to midsize agency where, you know, I, if, hopefully, if I did good work, I could, you know, get on stages and talk about it. And I could um, write blog posts about it. And, the, you know, the agency would have a reason for me to be a public face for them. Uh, and then I would take that network and launch my company, I, I would not try and build a company with no presence in a space. It's just too hard.
0: Looking for new ways to find customers for your SaaS business, consider adding an affiliate or customer referral program. Rewardful is the easiest affiliate tracking platform to set up, manage and scale for SaaS companies. Lock your customer acquisition cost and only pay based on results. Integrate Rewardful with your Stripe or Paddle account and set up your affiliate campaigns in minutes. Rewardful automatically tracks referrals, calculates commissions, handles upgrades and downgrades, all seamlessly in the background, whether you sell one-off purchases or recurring subscriptions. Companies like Podia, Copy.ai, Barometrics, Synthesia, and many, many more are already using Rewardful to add that sweet, sweet MRR to their businesses. Sign up now at rewardful.com for a free 14-day trial and turn your biggest fans into your best marketers. Right. Okay, yeah. that's super interesting. you were talking yeah. about like two years uh, work, two years of- resting.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think like build your network, right? Build your network and your expertise and your personal brand before you go build your company. It's just gonna be so much easier. If you just try and launch the product and then market it. Gosh, I see so, so many founders who Struggle with any kind of customer acquisition, any kind of traction marketing because they think, Well, I made a great product, people should buy this product. It's not how it works, man. <laughs> right?
0: Like, oh, yeah, it's
1: just, it's just not. You could have the most delicious candy bar in the world, but just, uh, I, I, yeah, how are you, you going to distribute it? Right? That's that's the question.
0: Okay what what are the uh the channels that are kind of uh, universal that you that you notice that no matter what you're building you know that's the channel where you can get at least some customers e- email email
1: well I, no matter <laughs> what okay i Something you know what there's difficult. very very few it is almost impossible to think of a uh sector or a space where content is not valuable, right? It, if you're that plumber, even if you do nothing else, if you're putting out you know good YouTube videos about like how to fix this particular thing in this particular area, how do you deal with the, I don't know, unique sewage problems of the Seattle water system, how to? Uh, fix these particular types of sinks, which are very popular with the kinds of homeowners that use service. That's going to help you, right? And same thing if you're that candy bar company and you're putting out content around whatever, pe- people enjoying your candy bar or whatever the unique features and benefits of it are, or um, the positioning that you're going after, I don't know, g- giving it away at a basketball game, like whatever you're doing, content is almost certainly going to help amplify your reach and it's hard to think of anyone who shouldn't be doing some form of content marketing
0: okay what about uh, AI generated content and how do you how do you feel about the the whole craze about uh, AI marketing
1: yeah I hope everyone uses it because then it will be very easy to stand out as a human because they'll all suck at it and I'll be great. <laughs>
0: yeah i just i just read this like seriously uh, like five minutes before uh before the podcast they opened linkedin and uh there was a post ai is not going to replace you but a uh, a person that knows how to work with ai will uh and uh, yeah i i think, maybe i, I mean think depends it depends on what you do yeah. Yeah. right absolutely yeah. Depends
1: on what you do. No. So let's see, here's how I feel about AI content generation. I think it is, um, I have used it a little bit for um, what I'd call like brainstorming or getting out of a creative rut or thinking of a few ideas that I might not have thought of already. Um, but as a, as a writer, as a creator, AI is boring. It is old. It has no emotion. Um, And it uh, hallucinates facts, right? So it 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 comes up with things and presents them very confidently as being true when they are not. And if you present those same things as being true without verifying them and citing your sources, you're going to be in a lot of trouble. Um, AI content currently does not cite its sources. There are some plugins that are you know working to connect to the web, and then site sources these have copyright issues for sure right because essentially you're just stealing other people's content and then language training on it and then um when you cite them are you at risk of getting in copyright violation territory with them so um i think you know italy recently banned chat gpt i think for probably for the wrong reasons but it's not hard for me to imagine um a lot of governments and whatever is it back. It was
0: like relaunched like with the, with another name so it's like <laughs> Pizza GPT or something. So I, Sure. <laughs> it just yeah. makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> it's just so Yeah, exciting. so uh, I, I I wish they all just rename it like this. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, why not? Why not? No, I mean uh, m- my sense is um, I think that there are plenty of use cases for uh, large language model AIs. I, I mean I talk to programmers and engineers and they're like, oh my God, for, you know, whatever, debugging my code or writing a quick uh, piece of code that I can just take and insert somewhere and test or showing me, uh, brainstorming some examples of ways that I could solve a particular coding problem. It's, the use cases are phenomenal, right? Just just terrific. Like, hey, write me this thing that's going to uh, use AWS's machine learning system and, uh, call these variables and blah, blah, blah. Like, great. Yeah. Fantastic. Love it. Large language models. AI, AIs are great for that. If you want to create marketing content, ooh, I, I don't know. I mean, I think you can use it behind the scenes to sort of brainstorm some ideas. If you want to, uh, hey, chat GPT, uh, here are three social media posts about this topic. Can you brainstorm some? Um, brainstorm some ideas for me about like things I could write about that would be relevant to these people. Not the worst, right? If you're having trouble coming up with an idea that you want to write about, not the worst to plug that into ChatGPT. And then it'll sort of spicy autocomplete, you know, give you some text that that might inspire an idea. Go for it.
0: If you're hiring and uh, one person has five years experience, but another has three, but knows how to work with prompts and AI, who, who would you hire?
1: Eh, I mean, <laughs> neither of those things are interesting, right? So years of experience to me is not a predictor no, I mean, like,
0: of. Overall, same people, you know, same experience, yeah, same people. You know, cool, you know, know their stuff.
1: I mean, the thing is, it's so easy to learn how to use prompts. This is not, that's not a barrier to entry at all. Right. It, I just don't. Um, you know, people talk about like, oh, well, this person's like an amazing, whatever, prompt engineer. What, in the last five months, you've somehow become a master of this this thing? No, uh-uh. Anyone could... You you spend, whatever, five days on YouTube uh, and Google learning about AI prompts and you go practice a little bit, you're going to be great. <laughs> you're going to be just fine. No, they're, they're, that's not expertise. It's sort of like, um, I am an expert at typing. Right. Wonderful. Right? Like, great. You know what? A few weeks course and most people can get really good at typing. This is not a unique skill.
0: Okay. Interesting. All right. Um, so yeah, back to Spark Uh, I think I haven't asked, uh, too much of what uh, I actually set out to to do. Um, so one thing is, you're, you're not just small, you're a teeny tiny team. <laughs> um, so why did you decide that, you know, and if it's enough, I've interviewed enough founders with the small teams that are doing millions and millions in revenue, they're making a huge difference. And that's Great. Amazing. Um, what's your reason behind it? Like why not have more?
1: Yeah. Um, the, the two big things for me are one, I don't, uh, I don't necessarily believe that more people would help make SparkToro much better. So that's the, that's certainly, you know, first and foremost. And then the second one is that I personally don't enjoy or get, um, energy from management. I don't like managing people. I don't uh, enjoy doing, you know, sort of hands-on whatever one-on-ones and coaching and, you know, building a team, interviewing people, uh, doing performance reviews, building out that structure. All that stuff drains energy for me. I hate it. I don't like it at all. I'd much rather work with a tiny team of people that I like and trust. And we all just kind of we we just get along. There's not structure. There's not process. You know, Amanda did some work yesterday on a new email onboarding sequence and she sent it to Casey and I and we review it and great. Like there's no there's no deadline. There's no like, hey, where's that project you promised? Last month you didn't do it. Who wants to deal with that? I hate <clears throat> I hate being told to do stuff like that. And I hate enforcing you know, someone else doing it. Let other people build teams and companies. Um, you know, based on process and management and big teams and all that. I, to your point, right? I'd, I'd like to be a company that uh, makes a big difference, solves a really painful problem, helps a lot of marketers do better, and does it with a very tiny team of people um, that that I love and want to be around all the time. That's 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 what I want
0: okay sounds great i mean uh as as far as you're happy right that's that's what matters It's your company
1: i am so confused anna so consistently confused (laughs) by entrepreneurs who feel the need to build billion dollar companies and make hundreds of millions of dollars and you know become not just personally wealthy, but they really want to return hundreds of millions of dollars to their already super wealthy investors. Like that seems to be the, the huge driving force behind them. I don't think it brings them joy. I, I think this is not, you know, I don't mean to cast aspersions and I'm not trying to like be insulting, but I think I'm much, much happier than Elon Musk. Like, I think I have a way better life than he does like I, I don't, I don't think that's a great life, and it's it's strange to me that we've been, I don't know, conned into chasing it by sort of a uh, an elite class of people who need entrepreneurs to make, you know, billions of dollars or, or die trying. Right, fail, have their companies fail while they're trying to do it, which which most do, um, in order to make them even richer. Boo. <laughs> Sounds like crap. Why are you falling for that? I like, don't, right. I don't know. You do what you want, right? Like yeah. if if you love doing that, great. Fantastic. But honestly, I, I think it's a, um, it's a weird cult. I hope it goes away.
0: Right. I think, I think it is. I mean, at least people, you know, people start talking about like smaller wins, smaller targets. Uh, and that's that's really interesting. It's an interesting shift, but to to get back to like people who want to be billionaires, I mean, it's vanity, and then you're in this kind of wheel, and it just keeps turning. And it, it, I think it's very difficult to just jump off at some point. So you just kind of yeah. roll with it. Um, but yeah, uh, we wish them happiness. Um, okay, so. Um, yeah, something you mentioned uh, about Amanda, right? It's Amanda uh, doing the email and something around the email. And uh, before that, you also said the email is essential for uh, for any kind of business. Um, and I stumbled upon a tweet just a few days ago um, that said, you know, email was one of the most challenging features because so many people misuse it and want to, yeah, want to do all kinds of freaky stuff, uh, with email. So, uh, was it also your most challenging feature or if not, then what was, and how did you deal with it?
1: Yeah. Yeah. When you say feature, do you mean feature inside the product or do you mean, yeah. um, in terms of building an email marketing structure?
0: Let's try both.
1: Okay. Um, <laughs> so it, Email as a feature inside of SparkToro where essentially right. we um, you know, we have a feature where it shows you contact info, we actually outsource that. Um, so uh-huh. we just use a, um, a third party, use their API, get email data. So it was very easy for us to build. Um, and I, I do recommend that for all sorts of things. I think anytime you can leverage someone who has expertise and who's um, built something phenomenal in a space and you can just use their API. Oh my God, just save yourself the time, you know, do what the, use the specialist, right? They're, they're going to do great. We we use hunter.io, um, which does a great job of, of collecting emails associated with domains and social accounts and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so we don't have to worry about it. In terms of uh, building an email marketing practice inside of SparkToro. Yes, we've had, I mean, uh, I would say Casey and Amanda probably spend, you know, thirty to fifty percent of their time and energy in in marketing stuff on email because it's just so important to us. The onboarding flows, the segmentation, the questions that you ask people, the way that you respond to them, uh, the email marketing that goes out for our you know uh, monthly webinars, the office hours, uh, the emails that go out when you sign up for an account, when you become a paid customer, when you. Cancel your account and whatever, right? All these different things. Like that is a huge part of uh, the workload. And also, you can't ignore it because if you do it well and you get it right and it's uh, functional and has high deliverability. We, we just did a project, I think last week, Amanda did a project where she essentially removed 25,000 or so people from our email list just took them off because they hadn't opened an email from us in the last 90 days. And so she was like, we're, we're just going to clean this list. And deliverability went way up. Open rates went way up. Click through rate went way up, right? Because now the, the email providers are seeing like, oh, lots more people are clicking on SparkToro and engaging with them. So we're going to deliver it to more primary inboxes instead of spam or um, promotions tab or whatever. You know, it's these hygienic things and this um, expertise that you build around email as a channel. It's big, and it, I think I think it's frankly, like I said, it, uh, unless you're serving a teenager or younger audience, email is probably going to be your number one or number two marketing investment.
0: Okay, so uh, you you haven't <clears throat> sorry, you haven't noticed like any. Uh... Any cases of uh, people trying to uh, scam other people or, or uh, misuse the product through, oh. through your email?
1: No, uh, thankfully we don't. We don't integrate deeply enough with someone's email. You know, like a whatever. We're not a CRM. Uh, we don't have direct email access. So yeah, we don't have to worry about like scams, spam, phishing. Those sorts of things, people pretending to be us. Um, I think we're still small enough to stay off the radar in that way too. But yeah, the the product is very research centric, and so there's not a lot of um, risk around those types of things. Luckily.
0: Okay. All right. Uh, well, I just have a, a couple more questions. Um, what's so far the biggest win and the biggest failure for for Spark Toro, or or maybe you? As, as a founder or, or CEO, like in your, this journey?
1: Gosh, good question. Um, let's see, I think the mm, biggest win for us probably is, um, I think getting to profitability very early in our existence. We, we basically were profitable about six or seven months after launch and um, being able to stay there and then increase our profitability as we grow, um, and find a find a space where there's clearly a lot of customer demand and people need this product, uh, especially in a space that kind of didn't exist before. Like the the kind of audience research that you can do with SparkToro, you can't. There's not really a substitute for it. Uh, you can do it manually, right? And some people do, but other than that, um, just very very difficult to do. And so finding a finding a space that was blue ocean and then building something in it and being able to build a, a company. We're still, you know, quite tiny, but that, that is a huge success. Um, and I think a really big win. I, I was very scared and I really was, I was so scared after Moz that maybe I was a one hit wonder, right? That like, I didn't have another company in me or I, you know, Moz was my only idea. And would I be able to come up with something that, um, people would like, right? That people would would find enough value in to spend significant sums of money on. And it's exciting to see SparkToro do that. Yeah, that's a huge win. Um, In terms of the biggest failure...
0: Or maybe a challenge, uh, not a failure. Yeah,
1: a challenge. um, I think I I am quite surprised by how many people try SparkToro and then... And, and you know, I can they, they sort of answer some questions about who they are. It's clear that the product would help them accomplish a task that they have, but we haven't been able to show them um, the value that it provides. And that is true for an overwhelming majority. I think probably you know, 98% of people who run a search in SparkToro right now, they see the data and then they are like, okay. I don't know what I would do with this. And they leave and they never come back. And that is super sad, right? It kind of breaks my heart. And it's obviously our fault. Like it's not, it's not on them to solve it. Maybe the pr- problem isn't painful enough for them. In which case, fine. Like, great. You know, just use it, go away, whatever. But I suspect for a lot of them, probably 10 times as many people right now as as come back and use it, even just the free version I'm talking about. I think for 10 times as many people as use the free version regularly, there are this huge group who would get a tremendous amount of value out of it if, they, if we did a better job of connecting, here's the problem that it solves and how it solves it for you. And this is why it's so useful and valuable. And you can solve that problem in 30 seconds, 90 seconds. Like you don't have to spend a bunch of time. I'm I'm shocked, right? Like, so I'll, I, you know, I'll talk to somebody like yourself, for example, and, and I'll be like, oh, have you, you know, have you ever used uh, SparkToro to find your podcast guests? And they're like, no, why would I do that? And I have this like, oh my God, see, this is my problem. This is my fault. Like, I'm an idiot because I have not been able to explain to podcasters that if you are wanting to reach a specific audience, let's say you want to reach SaaS founders, right? Like you should go to SparkToro and search for... My audience uses these words in their bio, SaaS founders or SaaS founder or whatever, SaaS co-founder, SaaS CEO, blah, blah, blah. And then you can see exactly the people and publications they pay attention to. If you go to the social tab, you'll be like, oh, look, Rand Fishkin is like 20th on this list, but there's 600 people on here. I should invite these people that look at this. You know, this person is followed by 17% of all SaaS founders. Why haven't I invited them on the podcast? That's insane. And if I do click do. this button, if I click this button, I get their email address. Like it, just it's just it the, the fun most fun. obvious use case in the world. But you know, like if, I don't know if you have tried SparkToro, but probably even if you've tried it, you have you haven't been like, Oh yeah, I should use it for that. Right. So. Right.
0: I haven't yet because I haven't had, um... Touch wood. Uh, I, haven't, I haven't had a shortage of guests yet, so they, they, they just kind of keep coming. And um, I on like I do. This is my third podcast today. So, oh my god!
1: Oh, Anna, that's yeah, too many. <laughs> How do you keep I your don't. energy up?
0: Um, I don't. It's it's ten p.m. Um, no,
1: so, uh, <laughs> that's terrible. You got to like you got to limit it to like two guests a day.
0: Right. But then, you know, life happens. So my kid I got know. sick. So oh, yeah, me too. I, yeah. I had a I had to have a podcast yesterday. But then it was like, okay, maybe it's just like a mild fever for just one evening. <laughs> so I moved it to today. And today I had yeah. two more. So <laughs> and I was like, no, moving it again would be just such a uh, bad idea. So Oh, I have, oh, I have so okay. much empathy
1: for you. I'm so sorry.
0: I'm an extrovert. I okay. know, I energize off people.
1: Oh well that's good. Okay. That's yeah. helpful. Yeah. So, well, I, hope, know, I hope I hope are I'm your conversations, do you feel like they're um like you do get that energy out of it? Because I know sometimes guests come on and it's like, oh my god, it's like pulling teeth with this person.
0: I honestly had maybe I can't remember one for sure, but maybe two. Two of the guests when I was like okay, I have to, I have to use all my mental energy. But otherwise, you know, I'm that person that wakes up and energizes just once I see the first person I can talk to.
1: Okay, that's good.
0: Yeah. I was tired before this. (laughs) I bet. Oh, my God.
1: I can only imagine. Yeah. Well, all right, you, you go, you go get some sleep, (laughs) feel better. And, uh, and then, uh, yeah, when you want to, uh, if you need to find some guests, you can use SparkTron.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right. But I think you just solve your problem, right? If you show me once and that's, I, I, oh, oh, my God. This is the problem that I think a lot of sales have. Like they, they sound so amazing and, and I go there and I'm a lazy person. And I think a lot of marketers are. Oh, yeah. um so you go and the minute you hit any friction the minute you stop realizing like where i go next or where i can benefit from it you just go okay well there is a ton of other tools right so yeah. i'll just try that so how i ended with the, uh, riverside i went to stream yard and one other thing and that just had like all the control buttons and bells and whistles. And I was like, I'm, I cannot, you know, control all that while I'm talking to a person. So, and Riverside has just one button. So yeah, <laughs> that's, you know, simple, right. So once I, I'm the same, like once you show me how something works, that's it. I'm hooked.
1: Huh? Interesting. I wonder, yeah. I wonder if um, we need to do, we, I mean, SaaS companies in general and founders in general just need to do more sort of personalization where we, you know, we start by asking you, who are you and what are you trying to accomplish? And then we'll just do it for you rather than asking you to figure out how the product works and find the right tab and find the right sort and export the right thing. Like, just give it to me.
0: <laughs> right, right. As yeah. a service, like we will do it for you once, and then you know you'll see the roadmap, and then off you go. Yeah,
1: yeah. Right. Well, all right. Maybe maybe I have to hire somebody else.
0: <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Um, I never never consulted anybody on the podcast. <laughs>
1: I, hey, I, you're clearly great at it, so I, I think we uh, we need to we need to add product consultant to your CV. That's
0: what I'm, you know, that's going to be my uh, tagline on LinkedIn. Rand Fishkin said I'm good.
1: <laughs> there you go. Happy to cool. endorse.
0: Cool. All right. I just have one more question though. Um, you said AA marketing not so good. Uh, so what's then what's the trend for marketing? What's the next big thing? Where should marketers and growth marketers look into?
1: Well, uh, so every, every answer to every marketing question is always, it depends. So for example, if you're, I think the big trend, if you are a marketer who currently relies on, um, third party cooking to serve ads, you know, in retargeting world, like that's going away next year. Google Chrome is pulling it. Apple's already pulled it. Firefox has pulled it. The, the technology is dead. And that means that you're going to have to get used to the new sort of, you know, whatever privacy sandbox, flock fledge thing that Google's doing. Um, and, and Meta is almost certainly adopting something really similar, and Apple too, right? So, this, this sort of like grouping people by cohorts and not being able to track individuals, and that's going to change the entire ad sector landscape. There's people who are doing uh, browser and device fingerprinting to try and serve ads around privacy issues, and um, uh, there's legislation to try and stop those people, and there's ad blockers to try and stop them. Uh, I think that the issue with Google Analytics changing, to the the change to GA4 um, is going to be a nightmare for a ton of marketers who aren't incredibly sophisticated analysts. I think it's going to be a big, big change in the world of social media marketing. The last couple of years has been the move to zero click content. So if you are a social media marketer who's been used to getting any kind of traffic from sharing your stuff on social, you're going to have to get used to a world where you essentially post native content and then someone follows up with a search or goes automatically to your website and types it in but you'll never be able to track them. And so you won't be able to prove the efficacy of any of your social media efforts, except with what historically have been called vanity metrics, likes, shares, whatever, retweets, impressions, all that kind of stuff. Um, so different trends in every different universe. You know, In the SEO world, Google has been decreasing the percent of clicks that go to websites for years and years now. Um, the top domains in any given space are dominating more and more of the results. So if you're not one of them, you're almost certainly losing out to everybody who is. Uh, I think SEO is becoming a winner take most or nearly all game kind of sucks for a lot of people. There's, there's just not as much opportunity there as there was, you know, five years ago, 10 years ago. So yeah, every one of these is changing. And the only thing I can say is that's always been true. Like marketing moves incredibly fast. I, I've been out of the SEO space for five years. I don't even recognize it. Like it's, you know, you have to consult with somebody who's been paying attention because, um, yeah, that's just how fast it moves.
0: Right. Okay. All right. That that's super interesting. So just, you know, keep an eye on everything that's going on and like try to catch up.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, and, and it's space and sector dependent. So you're, Uh, What's changing in your sector is going to be different from what's changing in someone else's sector. And if you are doing a particular kind of marketing, uh, one of the few, very, very few things that stays consistent, especially over the last 15 years is email marketing. It's been really similar for a long time. A lot of the best practices still apply. And yet people still don't execute on it well, because it's hard. It's hard to do right.
0: Yeah, that's the reason we 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 don't have a newsletter just yet, <laughs> but we will, but we will. Okay. <laughs> all right, Rand, it's been amazing talking with you. Um, I um, yeah, I really really enjoyed this conversation. It was super fun. So thank you for for coming here and sharing all your thoughts and ideas, and uh, hopefully we get to do it again.
1: I would love that. Thanks for having me, Anna. Take care.
0: Thank you. Take care. That was yet another awesome conversation on SaaS Unbound. We're always looking for new guests to share their experiences. We mostly talk with bootstrapped SaaS founders. And if you're one, reach out to me directly at at anna.sas.group or find me on LinkedIn. If you're not bootstrapped or even not SaaS, but have a great story to tell, we want to hear from you too. And obviously, SaaS Unbound wouldn't be possible without the SaaS Group, a founder-friendly, private equity company that buys awesome businesses that people love, to take them to even greater success. If you're thinking about selling your company or just exploring your options, feel free to visit SaaS.group, fill in the form, and expect a response in under 24 hours.